0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse.
1: Hello, I'm Julie from A Good Story Is Hard to Find and Forgotten Classics Podcast.
0: And we're going to talk about Northanger Abbey, or as I like to call it, Northanger Abbey. (laughs) Um, although that's probably What's that not from? how Jane pronounced it. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. It's just uh, because it's North Anger. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, Sorry. I say North I guess. Mostly, I'm very
1: slow. Sorry. North Anger. Yes.
0: Um, it, it, it it seems like it's got that brooding, angry castle in your uh, bath, I guess.
1: Until you see it.
0: Yeah. And then it, 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 this is a comedy, I think. This book is so funny. Yeah.
1: I laughed out loud.
0: I, I was expecting it to be much more, uh, I didn't expect it to be a parody of gothic novels. I think that's exactly what it is.
1: Had you not read it before? No,
0: no. No,
1: well, because you kept saying it's a gothic novel, and I kept going, no, it's really not. (laughs) And I thought, maybe I read it wrong. Okay. Edic it is it. it is a gothic novel
0: it's yeah. just that it's a parody and meta gothic novel because actually i was thinking about uh we, and we were talking briefly about mysteries of udolpho which i guess is the most famous of mm-hmm. of the gothic novels um in part perhaps because of this book keeping its reputation uh up but uh the plot is very similar i mean it follows the the you know, there's a girl, she's off on a on a road trip and she gets assaulted by <laughs> highwaymen, except that's only in her imagination, right? Yeah. And then she goes to a castle and she's held captive. Oh, wait, no, she kicked, she's kicked out. So right. everything that happens is, is, is from Mysteries of Udolpho. It's just all inverted, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. When I went and... Got, finally I got curious enough to go look into what is the basic storyline of the Mysteries of Udolpho and I was like, oh, it is about people all interested in how much money they can get by marrying people mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how closely she had linked it and it's not an exact following of the plot but within commonsensical terms, if you're a romantic young girl
0: mm-hmm. with no
1: knowledge of the world like Catherine is, then you could see it that way and that's oh my gosh Jane Austen is funny without you knowing that, but when you do know it, you just admire her more.
0: It's it's really hilarious. There's um there's so many. Uh, the thing is is it's 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 subtle. So if you're not yeah. uh, if you're not totally included into the fact that uh, she is making fun of things, um and I I mean uh, this is only nor this is the only Austen book I've ever read. You know oh. Jesse, I, I foresee one. a long history of me making um, you read Austin? But well, we'll see. I mean, um I like I like all the movies and you know audio dramas eh. and stuff like I mean, it's it, they're fun. Probably. I, I I even watched the Jane Austen book club movie again. Wow. Um which I think is a is also very good and actually it, the, although the Northanger Abbey's uh, section of that when you know they read Northanger Abbey is not particularly long. Mm-hmm. I think the overall structure of the movie, uh, I guess based on the novel, is very much in keeping with Northanger Abbey in that um, if you've seen that movie or I haven't. Book, oh, you should. You but definitely enjoy it. I think. I'm writing uh, it
1: down since you said you watched it twice.
0: Yeah, I watched. I watched it when it came out, and then uh, I thought, oh, I better rewatch everything that I know about uh uh Jane Austen. So I downloaded a couple of documentaries and I I rewatched uh the Wow the Jane Austen Book Club and in, in the Jane Austen Book Club, all the characters come together to read Jane Austen's books. Um and in so doing, as the months go by, they uh have all the adventures of all the Jane Austen characters. Uh-huh. Uh, with uh, you know families uh, looking to get their children ha- married off, and then uh, choosing the right man,
1: right, <laughs> right, okay, okay. Well, I'll have to watch it then, since I've it's very meta. Read and all the books yeah. now, finally. Now, my understanding
0: also is that this this Northanger Abbey was her first novel, as well as being. Almost her last novel.
1: Yeah, I was just looking at the advertisement by the authoress to Northanger mm. Abbey, and she points out that it was finished in 1803 and meant to be published then, and the bookseller got it, but he didn't publish it for 13 years. And it says at the end of her little thing The public are entreated to bear in mind that 13 years have passed since it was finished many more since it was begun, and that during that period, places, manners, books, and opinions have undergone considerable changes. And something I do remember reading is that she was deliberately making fun of The Mysteries of Udolpho, mm-hmm. although as somebody else I read pointed out, she couldn't have been so conversant with it if she hadn't loved books like that in the first place. Oh, yeah. No, so, you know I, she I read them yeah, herself yeah. like Catherine Cather- Cather- did that's with that's great yeah. enjoyment. But, um, but evidently, by the time the book came out, fashions had changed. So you had, like, um, I'm trying to remember if it was Mary Shelley, but you had a different kind of a gothic novel. And so she was kind of worried that you weren't going to connect it properly.
0: Well, there's also the, there's also the, not, you know, book fashions, but actual clothing fashions. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what this book is about at first as well, because of, um, Mrs. Alan, yeah, she's she's obsessed with that. As is uh, Mr. Tilney.
1: <laughs> is Mr. Uh, T- oh the the father? You mean the son? Oh, do you think so? I didn't. Oh I didn't yes, up remember on that. He, he
0: he says he said that's how that when they meet him, um, they say it's Tilney, right? Where he says, um, I know exactly how much these things cost because I buy. It. Oh, maybe that's I not thought Tilney. that was
1: John. Yeah
0: that's uh thorpe
1: yes the really
0: the huge jerk so john john thorpe is very much uh in the know about how much
1: dress is yes, cost because he's he is super shallow and so is uh, mrs allen but he cares, just he cares about the price of everything i think yeah well yeah and he goes
0: on, on about his cost of uh, his his horse and buggy
1: right because he's showing the world how good it all is and right. the fact that he's aware of this means he's better than everybody oh, well, no one has a horse that can go as far as mine and in a shorter time and that kind of thing. He's yeah. such a he braggart. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Tilney only goes afoul in one spot that I could think of, and that's when he's teaching uh, Catherine about drawing and perspective so much that right. when she comes up and sees Bath before her, she declares, it's, it would be a terrible sketch, and everyone applauds uh. because she's she understands. <laughs> so, because she's
0: she's into landscapes right. now. Yeah. Well, I I think you know she, that's just Jane Austen um, oh, making yeah. fun of the characters as they as they happen.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm also influenced somewhat by this book I read called The Jane Austen Education: mm-hmm. How Six Novels Taught Me About Love, Friendship, and the Things That Really Matter. And it's a combination memoir of uh, this author as a young man kind of learning how to how to not think what everybody else thinks, how to think for himself, how to evaluate relationships, all these things. And as he's going through these things in his life, he's encountering Jane Austen through a master's course, through these various things, and So he's kind of summing them up in ways that are different than I would usually think about, say, Emma or Northanger Mm Abbey. And one of the things he saw in Northanger Abbey was it's about how to learn or how not to learn, how to take how that a lot of times when you come into situations, you have all your preconceptions set up, which is what Catherine does. Because she's read all these gothic novels, so she's applying that to everything, and she believes whatever Isabella tells her, and she believes what John tells her until she learns how to evaluate. It. narrator. Yeah, yeah, how to evaluate it and kind of think for herself more and and trust what she's feeling because how does that apply to this situation? So, um, and that was one of the things he talked about is uh, that was one of Jane Austen's best examples of don't just believe whatever everybody teaches you, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah, uh, it seems to be like, I mean, sh- there, it's dealing with relatively harsh themes, you know, like, it's like you've got to find a husband, you've got to find, uh, th- there's a lot of desperate characters, mm-hmm. uh, even, you know. The the male uh, rogues as they're yeah, yeah. just as much victims of their own uh, desire to get money as as the as the women are to get you know suitable husbands who they can love with you know uh, it's just that the way Austin seems to deal with it she's she's she treats it with a, a light touch even though right. it's pretty serious talk to- I mean it's the most serious topic in their lives it seems
1: well and. Because of this Jane Austen education book, I then said, you know, I I was already reading Northanger Abbey just for myself again. I'd read it once. And then I had read Pride and Prejudice several times when I was young, but I'd never read any of Jane Austen's other books. So I went, well, OK. So I went ahead and read all of them. I kind of had a marathon Jane Austen session. And she treats everything pretty Lightly, in terms of it's all within conversations in social settings, and if you're just reading them for an adventurous story, you're gonna miss a lot. But if you just kind of slow down and just let it kind of wash over you, it's amazing what she packs very delicately into these books. they are astounding,
0: yeah there's not much there's not much in the way of telling you what to think, it's all about letting you think yeah of what's going on in this in the plot you you aren't told you know somebody is a rogue you are sh- i mean you are but those are often unreliable words right you have to see what they do over time in the plot
1: yeah she never calls john a rogue but you see by his very actions when he has the audacity to go and say well i went and arranged it i told them you couldn't come mm-hmm. and i was <gasps> I was outraged on Catherine's behalf. I mean, you get sucked into it, or I did.
0: Yeah, I I mean, Maybe you the thing is, is, no, no, I think that that's right. It's just that it's like in some situations, you can see uh, another young woman going along with that mm-hmm. just because it's easier to go along, right? But that's where her, you know, she's, she's actually getting herself into trouble because in the one hand, uh, she could just let, somebody, you know, uh, the the women here, are they're supposed to be passive, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in him doing that, uh, in, you know, breaking an appointment for her, uh, she, she's, he's sort of manipulating her into the position he wants her to be in. But because she refuses that, which is apparently the, you know, that's the way women, can, they're not allowed to have uh, express feelings of love until they've had the feelings of love expressed to them right their only mm-hmm. right is to refuse that that's exactly what's happened there she 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 didn't she didn't make the wrong choice right but we didn't know that that was gonna come up so it's not it's sort of an instinctual choice there
1: well and she's and, had to learn not to let that happen because she did let herself get railroaded by the stronger personalities before when they took her on the drive to whatever town when she was engaged to go walking. Right. Right. And so she'd learned by experience, Oh, don't do this. And you might not be able to believe him. And, um, but the thing is, is that Austin does tell you at the very beginning, she, the first sentence is no one who had ever seen Catherine Moreland in her infancy would have supposed her born to be an heroine.
0: Yes, it's well, the whole
1: first chapter is so funny because she's it's a
0: joke, right? Yeah, she's, she's setting. Saying, this, this, is a, this is a novel. <laughs> yeah, she,
1: yeah, and she's setting it all up that she will be a heroine you know. because of this. But then her life is so mundane, and the things she goes through are so mundane, and so. But what Austin's kind of saying is, pay attention, and she's but funny. It's, al- it's almost,
0: uh, it's almost like that. Uh, Catherine's writing that as her journal. Oh you know like uh it's almost like she's writing third person perspective about her own life and and in that i know that it's it's austen's voice and uh-huh. but but because we're we're very close to her throughout the entire book um it's almost like she she's all those dream sequences that happen you know it's almost like they are and her own actions you know in the castle uh, it's almost like she's, she's living this life as a, as a gothic romance heroine. Um, and, and this book is her journal of that experience.
1: I guess you could see it that way. I didn't really think of it. I just could see the, because I just figured she was, pretty clueless until she got to Bath, and didn't Isabella introduce yeah, She's writing her it from to, the
0: perspective. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. But, I mean, some of the things that, um, if anybody's listening who hasn't read this, and I guess they would be completely clueless because we've been just talking about plot anyway, but the things, the first chapters, the things that make you just laugh is when, like, When Catherine gets the chance to go to bath with the Allens, this is the big adventure, and she's Mm -hmm. never been outside of her little country town, and then it says, well, you know, Mrs. Moreland would naturally be supposed to be very worried A thousand alarming presentiments of evil to her beloved Catherine from this terrific separation must oppress her heart with sadness and drown her in tears for the last (laughs) day or two of their being together. And advice of the most important and applicable nature must, of course, flow from her wise lips. And then, you know, basically what she says is, "I please be sure you wrap up warm around the throat when you come from the rooms at night and keep an account of the money you spend. Here's a book for it. (laughs) No one's romantic. They're all very practical.
0: And no, it's always being subverted, right? Yeah. And yeah. instead of having a hundred pounds, uh, she's given ten, ten pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is, is, is much less full of, but uh, what's interesting, I mean, I, I like, I, I have not read all the other, not Aust- other five Austin novels. However, um, I know their plots. Uh-huh. You know, I've seen persuasion. I've right. seen sense and sensibility and, and, and so I, I know what the stories are about
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Emma and all that stuff, right? So it seems like because Mysteries of Udolpho is, it's essentially a sort of a hyped up version, less realistic, hyped up version of Northanger Abbey. It's, and Northanger Abbey is, is, you know, it is as much a Jane Austen novel as any of the other oh, five.
1: yeah, yeah. Right. It's about manners um, and meeting people it, it's, and, it's and like what you I discover think, yeah, during that process about yourself it, it, and other people. Yeah,
0: yeah. The labyrinth is is so society, not like you know the Apennines of
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of Mrs.
0: Radcliffe, right?
1: You're not, yeah, exactly. With Mrs. Radcliffe shut into the castle and not able to get away, and
0: that's right. It's, it's so it's 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 like Jane Austen's reading this stuff, right, loving it. Oh yeah, and then she's writing it and. In her first book, she does a parody of it. And then she says, okay, got that out of the way. And the rest of them are just straight up Jane Austen.
1: Yeah. Although the parody is funny because it's so, once you've read the other novels, I kept thinking back to it going, you know, Northanger Abbey is always just kind of tossed off as a light comic little book, her first book. And I was like, you know what? Everything's in there that's in Emma and Mansfield Park and all the other stuff. It's just... She's showing something else here. She's showing the really young girl who has no experience of the world. How does she learn what's a false friend? How does she learn how to follow her heart? How does she learn when somebody's opinion doesn't mean anything? Like Mrs. Allen, who's only Mm -hmm. roused to any kind of passion by the fact of something like, uh, when her husband, this is cracking me up, when her husband says, oh, no, Catherine shouldn't go out with these young people in this open barouche. This would be terrible socially. It's just not done. Don't you think so? And Mrs. Allen says, oh, yes. You know, I never go out in an open barouche. The dirt is awful and it will get on your clothes if they're white. And at this time of year, they should be. And, you know, that's the only thing she cares. Yeah, it's the hilarious. characters
0: are all models for our, our own selves reading it. So the reason she is the heroine is because she does what is right in all yeah. the cases, right? So the Isabel, uh, she's she's the one who's super manipulative, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you don't know that. I, I just think, oh, she's she loves reading books too. Yeah. But um, the fact that she's got this master list of uh, books, which apparently are all real books, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd only heard of one or two of them, but uh, I was looking it up and they, they all are real books. I thought, Oh, maybe some of those aren't real because, you know, she's just, she's just trying to, you know, wrap her, wrap Catherine around her finger. Mm-hmm. She's rich.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Wrongly thinks she's rich. Um, but then, uh, you know, listening to the way that they're thinking about it, um, I was thinking, well, maybe, maybe she's right. Maybe Isabel is right in that, the Allens are going to give their money to to uh Catherine and she's going to be a wealthy heiress. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have children. Um it, it, Is that possible? But no, it, it just <laughs> it doesn't
1: come up. Right. Well, no. And she says stuff that you also have to learn what Isabel is like because she'll say, oh, I never do this. And then she turns right around 10 minutes later and does it. I would never abandon a friend at the dance, and you're so dear to me, and this is that. Oh, well, your your brother just begged me so much, I couldn't say no to him, and then she whisks off and leaves Catherine all alone. Yeah. Or um, there's nothing I wouldn't do for somebody who isn't my friend, which is often quoted. I had always seen it just with Jane Austen on it, and I thought it was sincere until you read it in place in the book, which is Isabella, Isabel saying that, and, of course, there's all kinds of things she wouldn't do. She would do to somebody who she calls a friend because she's very manipulative, as you say. Yeah, she her brother uh,
0: she is, she's super. But the opposite is is Mrs. Allen. Right. Right. Who's, you know, seems like a perfectly nice person. But that's because she she just conforms to what everybody else is like. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas Isabella is is um, is trying to make other people uh, fit her.
1: And that's what makes the Tilney so interesting. And you can see why she's interested in Mr. Tilney. Well, first of all, he's the first young gentleman who's paid attention to her. But also because when he has conversation, it's not telling her stuff. It's not telling her what to think. It's not telling her what to do. And I don't think she's actively considering that or comparing it. But he's saying, oh, I think marriage is like a dance. Don't you? Mm -hmm. And she's like, what? And so they kind of just have an open-ended conversation where she's invited to think about this, mm. which is more like you and me talking about, mm-hmm. oh, we both like this book. Let's talk about it. Then, say, John Thorpe, who is like, well, this horse is like this, and you don't understand that, or Isabel, <laughs> who's, here's how you should, you know, here's how I think. So
0: therefore, he, He's not even talking about things that she's interested in, no. right? It's- she's just talking about what he's interested in. Not, not, he doesn't even care if she wants to go on a ride or not, right? Right. We're going on a ride. Yes, I've canceled your other appointments. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah.
1: And then when she doesn't want to, they all make her into a villain.
0: That's right. And most like like I'm thinking is like it's there's it's you're in society there, right? You're one of the the lines that comes up right at the beginning is, you know, I wish we knew someone here, right? Mm-hmm. So they're desperate to they're desperate to be introduced to people. They're desperate yeah. to flash in society. So when somebody, you know, you've got a contact and they could go out and introduce you to other people and they seem friendly enough, right? Yeah. Um, you should conform to what they want a little bit, right? Well, and, and she... And of course, it's, that's the trap.
1: Right. Well, also, she's 15. She, you don't get the feeling in this little village that there was any other girl her age, really. So she's only had her family and the Allens and whoever else is around. So, she, it's kind of a heady experience also. Here are these people who seem very assured and they're taking you up and you're like, oh, this is fantastic. Why wouldn't I believe them? I mean, it's very true to human nature.
0: Uh, uh, there's a, again, from the first chapter, I think it is, the, that, that, gr- the narrator is so arch and yes. hilarious. She says, she says something like, um, if, in a family of ten children, if there was hands and legs and heads to go around the, in right. the proper number, you, you must say it's a good family. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, that play, that plays down the road too, right? When we do meet to Tilney's, um, that all the, all three children, uh, have the right number of heads and arms and legs, but they're not all equal in their, uh, niceness and, and they're not all good. You know, the father's kind of a jerk. Uh, if not, uh you know, he he went down the evil path, right?
1: Right. And then when um uh their oldest brother, whose name I can't remember, is <laughs> flirting with Isabel and Catherine seems very upset about it. And she's like, well, you must talk to him and tell him about it. And the brother and sister both know. They know exactly what he's like and exactly yeah. what will happen, and they're right in their predictions. They're like, "No, I'm not going to do that. It's not going to make a bit of difference."
0: Frederick is.
1: Frederick, it. yes.
0: Frederick. Yeah. So it, it, they do, and and when when it comes to the you know the ending of the book, we've got uh, you know the guy riding up on his horse uh, saying, "Yeah, I've broken with my father, and uh, mm-hmm. will you marry me?" Um, just like a,
1: and, a gothic novel
0: yeah it, it is it, it is exactly like what's going on in yeah. a gothic novel because it, I I having uh, listened to the audio drama of uh, oh, Mr. Yeah. Udolfo, um you know th- all the things that happen in Northanger Abbey are paralleled in mm-hmm. Mr. Udolpho or vice versa I guess
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: at the end you know they ride off into away from the castle in hopes of you know Having a nice marriage. Um, but, oh, there's still bandits on the road, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. We don't get the sense that, you know, she's been disabused of her love of fiction. She's just, uh, maybe she's not, and that's one of the things that happens in the Jane Austen book club as well. And I like that quite a lot is, uh, is that, you know, they're gonna read Jane Austen again at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. but they're also gonna read other things, right? They're not yeah. just gonna read the one thing. So, one of the things that comes up is one of the characters is uh, the one who is actually tasked with leading uh, the Jane off uh, the Northanger Abbey mm. um, section of the club. She, he, he's a big science fiction fan and he says, you know, we should, you should really try Ursula Le Guin. You'll like her. <laughs> yeah. the other characters like, yeah, yeah, that's nice, but I want you to marry this other person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, she has her revelation and she's she's realizes what a wonderful person they are he is and at, you know it's it's very jane austen ending and it gives that um sense that you know you can if you're in the jane austen fan club you can read other books mm-hmm. right? um and and i think <laughs> i mean it's it's jane austen saying look my book here northanger abbey it's it's not exactly What uh, Mrs. Radcliffe's books are all about, but um, it's pretty close, and I love those books. She's not saying, you know.
1: Oh no, she definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, she, our character Catherine, makes a mistake of thinking that uh, her life will be a gothic story, right? She keeps expecting that stuff to happen, and it does, but it's it's always uh, inverted somehow. But she she never stops hoping that her life is going to be. Uh, Absolutely horrid.
1: <laughs> well, I know. The the torture, like the one of my favorite bits that actually made me laugh out loud, both reading and listening, were was the wardrobe, the black uh-huh. wardrobe in the corner that she'd never noticed, and she can't get it open, and oh, and then there's a mysterious manuscript in it, and the candle blows out. Ah, <laughs> got to get into bed, pull up the covers. I've got, I've
0: got that quote here. This is. This is uh, a hilarious scene, and it is drawn out. Oh, yeah. But, uh, um, you know, it, she has to wait until the next day to get the light, blah, blah. blah. But um, this, is, uh, this is the appropriate lines. And this is from a character sketch I found in the late 19th century book uh, that has a beautiful drawing of, of that scene as well. But let me just uh, read the three sentences here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She seized with an unsteady hand the precious manuscript, for half a glance sufficed to ascertain written characters and resolved instantly to peruse every line before she attempted to rest. The dimness of the light her candle emitted made her turn to it with alarm, but there was no danger of its sudden extinction. It had yet some hours to burn. And then her greedy eye glanced rapidly over a page. She started at its import. Could it be possible, or did her senses play her false? If the evidence of her sight might be trusted, she held a washing bill.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you find out at the end of the book, the thing I love that she did, that you know how in those Gothic novels, uh, everything's tied into everything else. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the book, when it says, um, oh, gosh, uh, the the sister the tilney sister his name i can't remember now isabella Is, no that's not the tilney um
0: oh uh you're right eleanor
1: eleanor eleanor she's she suddenly she's wrapping it up everything up very quickly at the end and she goes and luckily the general gave in because eleanor had married this rich, very rich young fellow who um as it turns out when he stayed in that room it was his servant who carelessly left that washing bill there right. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is perfect." She explains everything.
0: In fact, um, I think some of the reviews uh, complaints about this book mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. say that the ending is rushed. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's that's because it's copying the gothic novels yeah. where they they out you know they filled the the first two volumes and now that th- oh crap the third volume is just about to be just about to be uh, you know we're going to run out of pages wrap it all up
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the kind of the thing that's beautiful, though, about the thing is, is she puts these wonderful scenes in here. They're hilarious. They're gothic. They disappoint the heroine because, you know, she's in real life, not in a book. But um you see her learning from it. Mm-hmm. When she gets that knock at the door after the mysterious messenger came, oh, my gosh, who could it be? And then she goes, wait. I've been fooled like three times and had to be <laughs> forgiven very generously, which is where she learns Henry's true character. He doesn't even bring up what he, what she, that she had suspected his father of murdering his mother and all this kind of thing. Um And she goes, wait. And so she did a very brave thing. She went and opened the door <laughs> and it's Eleanor going, by the way, I have bad news. Mm-hmm. Um And so I really loved that because one of the things that you see is, it's wonderful to read these books and you can have so much fun, but you've got to rein in your own imagination, too. You have to be able yeah. to tell what's true from what's not true. And that's kind of the thread going through the book also, And I, which I've mentioned before, is how do you discern what you're told versus what you can tell for yourself is true?
0: There's a we did a show on uh, Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow.
1: I listened because that's one of the best stories of all time.
0: It is really great. I, I had no idea it was going to be that good. I didn't
1: know you hadn't read the story no, until you said I, I loved this story, and I went. Yeah. Oh, I think that's the first time you have read it. You lucky dog. Yeah. Oh well, I I, 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 I love sort it.
0: of. Yeah. I I mean, there's a lot of stuff I haven't read that I want to read and. The, that was uh, such a great story oh, yeah. I mean I, kn- I I knew the plot right uh, you know I'd seen the kids version right. and the Disney version I've probably read the kids version is you know translated but it's not a kid's book no right it's, it's a it's an adult book that is very hu- it's it's humorous and in I guess you as you you heard that it's got this twist where you know the <laughs> main character's problem is he he reads too much,
1: right?
0: (laughs) He's he's spooking himself by reading all these ghost stories. He
1: deliberately seeks out those stories. Well, and that, just to uh, keep on this path for a second, is one of the things that I found interesting about that story is I listen to it at least once a year because someone's always putting out a version of it at Halloween. (laughs) And I'm surprised at how much I see in it each time that I never noticed before.
0: It's very rich.
1: Yeah, like the descriptions of the birds you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And then there's one point where I went and found it and read it. And I suddenly went, oh, the part where they have all the slaves looking in the door, enjoying mm-hmm. what they're doing. And I was really taken aback. And I suddenly went, oh, those aren't servants. Those are slaves. Oh, my gosh. I was really shocked by that in, you know, New York. At that time, it's not period.
0: the focus at all. Yeah, no. it's, it's, but it's just it's, a
1: throwaway thing. But I suddenly it made the whole picture so much more complete.
0: It is a it there. is incredibly dense. Yeah, um, and yet it's totally readable. Yeah, um, this doesn't feel that dense. Yeah, it, no. it, I think that it, it's 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 mostly dialogue sort of driven.
1: Mm-hmm. It,
0: the, when the narrator steps in, she she says, she's giving facts and making comments. Hmm. And so. We we are doing a lot of the coloring of what's oh, going yeah. on, um, but I don't I don't think that that's the case in in the other texts. But what ties them together is that you know if you're a reader, um, the one thing we know about readers is that they read, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so they they all have that in common. They might not all like uh, eating pheasant, but they all like reading. And so when you have a plot that involves a reader. Uh, reading.
1: Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, it's perfect. Of,
0: exactly. You can make all sorts of comments on, on, on the reading, on the reading process. And as a reader, I, I enjoy books about reading, so I really enjoyed this book. The, the, you know, the black veil that they talk about. Yes. Um, uh, that is, oh, it,
1: it's, yeah,
0: it's, uh, from, that's from Mr. C. Udolfo, right?
1: Um, uh, oh, I guess it is, but I was, you're yeah, right, because, I was thinking the black veil was. um You're right, I guess. I was thinking of Nathaniel Hawthorne, but
0: oh no, that's the minister's black veil. Oh,
1: you're uh, right. I thought yes, it was just called I, the black I, veil, but yeah, you're right. Okay.
0: I read that minister's recently, veil. and that is a very funny story. <laughs>
1: uh, funny. In, Some would call as it tragic. I
0: was curious.
1: Yes. Um, that makes
0: you. It makes you thinking what's behind the black veil, Um and that's the point of the story, right? Yes. Which also goes back to what's going in Mister C. V. Adolfo. Yeah. Uh, it, it 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 is the mysteries, right? Mm-hmm. That's the important part. Um, the other another one that I read that is not mentioned in this book, uh, I read the the classic comics version of it. Um, is uh, Castle of Ortranto.
1: Oh, I've heard uh, o- of that. Ortranto. Yeah. yeah. So is that,
0: that is to be the father also? of all of these. Yeah, it's uh Horace Walpole, I think.
1: Oh, oh yeah! You know what? I I did read that,
0: and that's that's uh, got a ton of uh, supernatural elements.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: Like there's a giant, uh, giant. Uh, there's a giant ghost, and there's uh, suits of armor that mysteriously fall from great heights. And
1: oh, okay, <laughs> okay, it,
0: it's 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 sort of like a cartoon version of uh, Mysteries of Udolpho. Uh, with a lot more ghosts.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Because each generation, once that's kind of been discovered, that sort of storytelling as a book, mm-hmm. cause you know, those are old stories that would be told like that. Well, This person right. put it into a novel. But um, then it's interesting to see the refinements of it, because I look at Northanger Abbey. And the reason it's so timeless is, one of the reasons it's so timeless is, when I was young, I was reading Phyllis Whitney and Dorothy Eden and Mary Stewart and all these people who were writing the modern version of that. Or they might cast it in an older time period, but it was all that stuff. The gothic novel. Mm-hmm. And it's still popular, I'm sure. I just don't read whoever it is who's doing it now. Well, I've had enough you, of that.
0: You know what inspired me to, uh, to want to do this book is actually, Reading uh, that story you read for me, uh, the Poe story where Missus oh. Radcliffe is name-checked.
1: Oh yeah, the yeah.
0: Port- so the that, oval, the oval portrait. That's yeah. it, the oval portrait. And so it's got it's got a unnamed narrator uh, wounded mysteriously mm-hmm. in a abandoned castle, right? <laughs> Recently abandoned. What went wrong? What's going on up in that that garret, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's got this great framing device. Then we get the the story of what went wrong. It's it's quasi uh supernatural,
1: mm-hmm. and uh,
0: it's just full of atmosphere, right? Oh yeah. And and there there is this thing where you, if you're writing gothic, you sort of name check all the other gothics in there.
1: Well, that's the thing, and I was looking because when I was looking in Wikipedia. Um, And you were saying that maybe Northanger Abbey is one of the reasons a lot of us know about the mystery of (laughs) Udolpho. Udolpho, yeah. But but I was looking at it, and it's like, you know, Henry James mentions it in The Turn of the Screw. But he's later. Right. But The Veiled Picture, or Mysteries of Gorgono, 1802, uh, is a chapbook abridgment of it. Henry Melville, Herman Melville's Billy Budd mentions it. Mm -hmm. Dostoevsky mentions it. Um,
0: it was a hot book.
1: Yeah, The Devil to Pay, which is set in 1794, the uh, niece of a local landowner mentions it, and so does and the young lieutenant sh- hero she's flirting with is has read it too. I mean, you know, Sir Walter Scott's Waverley, mm-hmm. and of course then H. P. Lovecraft. And I remember the first place I ever heard of it was um, Georgette Hare, who mm. actually in a couple of books. Has some young female diffidently saying, "Well, I've I've read this really rather good book," and somebody will say, "Novels? What?" And they, sh- yep. and they say, "No, not the mysteries of Adolfo, not Mrs. Radcliffe's books. This is by some young lady named, uh, or yeah, you know, this is by somebody anonymous." But it's and you know they're talking about Jane Austen. Mm. Um, this is a yeah. sensible book.
0: Did so you know that they they rewrote, uh a publisher had someone. Commission to rewrite Northanger Abbey as a modern novel? No. Yeah, this is very interesting, um, and apparently it's not terrible. Uh, it's
1: <laughs> That's a good way to put it because okay,
0: <laughs> I've not read it, um, yeah. but it's it came out uh, just a couple years ago. I'm um, trying to see if I can find the. Uh,
1: oh, maybe I came across that when I was looking on Amazon. And it's
0: set in Scotland. Um, Jane
1: Austen stuff. Yeah, I think I did. Uh, but
0: it it. It basically says, "Have you read all the Jane Austen yet?" Something like that inside of it. Okay. Uh, Val McDermott is the name of the author. Okay. Um, and it's a YA novel, which I thought was interesting as well because uh, technically, I guess Northanger Abbey is a YA, right?
1: Yeah. You got to get uh, the kids to read it. But although, um, what's kind of interesting is I was at a big family gathering uh, of my husband's side of the family last night and ran into. His niece, who is, oh gosh, what is she, 10, 12, 13, she must be 12 or 13, but she mm-hmm. and I, the minute we see each other, we always get together, and it's like if you and I met at a party. We just furiously talk about books as fast as we can, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, she had just read Fahrenheit 451 for class, and I immediately was like, oh my gosh, here's the other books of his you have to read. Don't just take what the class said. Find his other good stuff and um, but then she was saying oh well I just checked out for myself all the short stories of Edgar Allan Poe oh nice and I said in that case if you want to read a funny book about that stuff you need to read Northanger Abbey and she said well I had Pride and Prejudice on a list to read because it's mentioned in a YA book and I wanted mm-hmm. to know so the YA books like that serve as a feeder
0: I I think that that's exactly right and and the thing is is the character, Catherine Moreland, she's reading this stuff as, you know, you're saying she's 15. Yeah. That's right. She's 15 year old reading, uh, these, what are essentially, uh, trashy, oh, know, yeah. novels. Um, but everybody's reading them, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and the author, oh, yeah, because Mr. Tilney has read them, and, you know, they're, they're the very bestseller list of their day. But in there, somewhere, the author has this impassioned defense of the novel. Don't tell me I'm only reading a novel. Novels are very important. And although hmm. a lot of the time you can tell she's speaking tongue in cheek, you kind of feel like she's, she means it. She's like, I'm making fun it's of this, bold. but I am not kidding. Novels it's matter. Absolutely. And, bold. um, I loved it, and I didn't mark I'm that part, sorry. but it's, it, she kind of just steps way out and says, let's just get this straight right now. Novels are great. But you it's can't... True. But the point she's making, of course, is you can't live your life as if it's in a novel. Um,
0: you know, um, there's two movie adaptations that I've seen uh, of this. One uh, came out in the 80s and was... It, 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 there's a lot of plot they need to do, so it didn't do a lot for me. Mm-hmm. And then there was one that came out, I think, 2007 uh, that was an ITV production. That was a little better. Uh, but both of them, they visualize the, the, uh, the daydreams or the dreams. Oh, yeah. And, um, I like that, but I also don't like it. And then the other thing is that happens is because, uh, I guess because the time the book was published as opposed to the time the book was, uh, set, I guess it's like set in 1798 or so, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's published in 1818, or well, December 1817 or whatever it is. Um, it's, it's got, the movie version has the, they've, you know, added things to the plot sort of shorthand. Oh. Um, like Byron, they mentioned Byron, uh, yeah. which, which is not wholly off topic, but the way that they shorthand things just seems a little bit, um,
1: Well, it's kind of unnecessary too in a Jane Austen.
0: Yeah, and it's a little too meta away from the books. But I guess if you're doing, you know, a film version. Well,
1: and film is, you know, you have to give film a certain amount of license because they've got a short time and they're, you know, a different. It's a different storytelling medium. But one of the things that I hadn't thought about until I read this Jane Austen education book, which I highly recommend. But I read the books in order that the guy talked about him because he can't help giving a few spoilers. Um, So I'll just say that. But uh, he points out, and I hadn't thought about this, you know, she's there during the time of Waterloo.
0: That's right. She talks about one of the things that is not going on, even though there's generals, right. Is right. uh, There is a line in there about politics. Yeah. So something terrible coming out of, out of London. Some terrible, right. Right. And they think, oh, it's 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 like, oh, maybe it's the American Revolution." <laughs> yeah,
1: and they but they never say,
0: "No, it's a book, <laughs>
1: yeah, well, With
0: two two tombstones and a lantern on the frontispiece.
1: <laughs> oh we must all read it right now. Yes, sounds great. Yes, yeah, the latest zombie novel, essentially That's, you know, yeah. but, um, but it's the thing of all her books have soldiers in them. All her books have, Um, To some degree, people are coming or going from assignments, but they never, ever talk about those politics. They never, ever worry about anything like or mention Lord Byron or they're worried about their clothing and things. But Mm. it's all in context of the people in the village or this person just came from London. It's very domestic in that sense. and. That's also kind of what makes it a little timeless because Absolutely. she focuses so much on the people. And that's why um, I, I was so lucky I got to meet Jenny Colvin, you know, and mm-hmm. we were talking about we were sitting there and then we could really talk about books fast and wide. And we were talking about Austin and she was asking which one was my favorite. And, you know, it was hard for me to have a favorite because all of them are. They're so similar, but they're so different. Mm-hmm. Well, they're so similar. I don't know how she did it. Um but part of the reason way she did it, I think, was by focusing on
0: people. It's a, it's a genre. It's a, she's like got her own genre going yeah. on, right?
1: It was focusing on the people, not the
0: Yeah, it's it's about to the dick. it's about I mean, I, I'm not a guy who reads books for characters, mm-hmm. but that's really what these are about is these are characters, not plots, because the right. characters are are interacting with each other, and that's the spending time with them and and them getting to know who's who's a villain and who's a, right. you know a founder and all that stuff.
1: And that sounds so boring when it, you're just talking about it. But the thing is, is I can still remember my extreme anxiety in um, persuasion when, and it's all over who's sitting down at the piano. Mm -hmm. You know, this one person sitting at the piano and another person comes up and he was going to sit down. He goes, oh, you're here. And she goes, oh, no, no. You sit. She's like, oh, no, I wouldn't dare. And you're like, no, come back. She really does love you. Oh, oh, You know, and it sounds stupid, but you get caught up in these people because these are the things that make up life that we understand also. And they matter. And she somehow turns these small things of etiquette or, you know, finding bills in wardrobes and later answering the mm-hmm. door into something that you just whip through those books to see what's going to happen. Or I did. It was beautiful.
0: You know, uh, one of the one of the documentaries I watched uh, was called The Lovers of Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's it was kind of a, uh, about the fans mm-hmm. of Jane Austen. And there was they showed a convention in Texas, actually, <laughs> where there was a whole bunch of uh, fans of Jane Austen. And and it was it reminded me of, you know, seeing one of those conventions where it's Star Trek and there's all these Klingons <laughs> walking around and there's lots of Captain Kirk's the same story, right? There's all these people dressed up in the Georgian uh, yes. costumes and uh, mostly women, you know, the just course, like having
1: yeah. tea.
0: Yeah, but that's not the only people they talk to. They talk to a bunch of other people including some historians. Oh. And they were saying that during World War 1, uh Jane Austen got a huge boost. And the reason was, you know, the there's a whole bunch of guys sitting in trenches. Oh, yeah. Um, they they all they want is cigarettes and something to read. And mm-hmm. right? more say, mm-hmm. can we have? What do we need? More cigarettes and more something to read, because they're sitting there waiting to die, mm-hmm. blown mm-hmm. up, and there's not a lot of movement back and forth. But when they're when you're thinking about sitting there waiting to die, you might want to have something to read. And it's not about war, right? Right? It's it's totally not about war. It's about sort of a complete airy distraction. Um, that is fascinating, its own world, and has nothing to do with the horrible circumstances which they find themselves in.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's still something that's so involving mentally that yeah, you can totally. lose yourself
0: in it. A, it. It is exactly a go-lose-yourself book, right? Yeah. It, you become absorbed in the characters' lives. It's like you're... Uh, a confidant as you, they walk down the,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the prod, right? You're, you're there with them and involved in their choices. And that's, um. Yeah.
1: And even in the books that people will say are, you know, too long or too dreary, which happens to be Mansfield Park, I think, usually. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't find that to be the case because even when she's being more serious, there are still these things that I found hilarious and I think you're meant to find the contrast. Mm-hmm. She does contrast so well of this one person gets sent away to live with her family. She's been living with, you know, her rich um, protectors all this time. And she's sent to live with her family for a while. And she has all these dreams of, oh, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet my mom, we're gonna be best friends. And it's gonna be like this. And then she gets there. and Oh, my gosh, the family she finds, I won't ruin it, because you need to read this novel. But you're just like, oh, 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 I was feeling really bad for you. But i now, like you, not feeling quite as bad as I was. So it's just, yeah, it's, and there's always some character or other who is just so broadly funny at the same time as they're usually very annoying. It's Mrs. Allen, but with an edge, because they affect people's lives in a way that you're just like, would you just open your eyes and stop this? But, um yeah, I, I hadn't realized what a fan I had turned into until this conversation. I'm so. oh, sorry, I... <laughs> I'm not ever going to dress up and go have tea with people and to talk about Jane Austen, but um, I have to say that after I got done listening to Northanger Abbey for this, which by the way, the Juliet Stevenson books uh, narrations of her books are amazing. If anybody is uh, gets Audible, you're
0: saying how she really throws herself into the.
1: Yeah, she's an actual actress. Mm -hmm. I guess in Emma, the movie Emma, she played this broadly funny character, and I could see it, and I hadn't realized she's um, Kira Knightley's mother in Bend It Like Beckham, Okay, it was, I saw the picture and went, I vaguely remember her, but she was a funny character, and she doesn't read these humorously, but what she does is she just is able to bring each one of them to life in such a realistic way. It's really wonderful. And uh, anyway, so I was listening to it, and I went, I have to have more. I, I need to listen to, ooh, Sense and Sensibility. And then I mm. went, nope, not going to cloud my mind before the conversation. But I was ready to listen to them all again, and I just read all six of them not that long ago, a couple of months ago. Wow. So, yeah. You're
0: a fast reader. You're like Jenny.
1: I am a fast reader. I've read like 170 books this year so far. Wow. That's
0: impressive. Yeah. I, I doubt I've read that many short stories.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I just uh I've always in high school they were doing this thing about we'll teach you to read faster. So they test how fast you read. And I read about normally about six hundred and fifty words a minute. And oh. I had about a seventy five percent rate because I turns out I that's when I discovered I'm a natural skimmer. I'll stop mm. and concentrate when it's really interesting to me and the rest of the time I'm kind of skimming over it and getting the gist of it and that's why I can reread and enjoy it every time because then I'm reading in more depth the stuff I didn't stop and read before and- I'm much slower than that I'm I'm a, a stumbler and
0: <laughs> savor and then I go rewind a little bit and say oh I'm going to read that again <laughs> I
1: know well, and I think that's <laughs> really a slow away. pace too I think your way is better, but my way is just the way I naturally fall into. So then I have to make myself slow down. Like I'm reading the Pickwick papers and I'll go, Ooh, it's a Christmas chapter. And then I'll, that
0: I think, I think is a little more, you you can, you can speed through that, right? Because it's some of it, you kind of, it's a lot less, uh, it's, it's more about the, it's almost, you want to read it aloud, um, Uh, that's the other thing that um, I mean, one of the things that happens in this book is that uh, we're getting the sense that they're all reading these books solitarily. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But my understanding of what's a little later in the 19th century, people were doing a lot more solitary reading, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but my understanding is that at a little uh, around the time this book was written and earlier um, that the majority, so the mid 19th century people are on trains, right? On trains, you
1: you
0: can't, uh, you can't be knitting uh, as easily. You can't do a lot of the things you could do at home. Um, So that boosts reading. Right. And, but in the, in the late uh, 18th century, and into the early 19th century, people are not yet on trains, uh, so the majority of reading takes place in sort of the drawing room, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as opposed to singing, or oh, piano playing, yeah. or um, conversation, or cards. It, it's uh, it's an yeah. activity they take turns reading aloud, and it's like that kind of activity. But I think this kind of um, you know sort of scandalous book you know Mm -hmm. full of (laughs) full of all sorts of oh my did you read it (laughs) things is the the exception to that right and that's that's the one that you read in the bedroom when nobody's looking because you might be scandalized for reading it uh Uh, but it's certainly scandalous reading
1: yeah yeah well and And
0: everybody's read it uh (laughs)
1: well that's well and true and um Thinking of the reading out loud, which is something I love that those societies used to do for entertainment. Mm -hmm. I was, again, to the Pickwick Papers, I have got David Timson's narration, and he is amazing if you come across any of his Mm -hmm. dictionary. No, I know him. Okay, well, I I didn't, um, but anyway, and I'm only, I'm just interspersing it because I'm so caught up in this book that I'm just reading it as fast as I can because I'm loving it. So I'm only listening to him when I'm washing dishes. But I was listening, and I was thinking, kind of feeling bad, like, oh, I guess I should be reading it to get the authentic experience, which I don't usually think that way, okay? I don't worry about it. And then I went, oh, my gosh, what am I saying? Dickens himself used to go on exactly. theater tours around the country doing dramatic readings of his own book. He
0: basically invented the audio book. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: Because
0: he was, he was going around from town to town reading the same sections, right,
1: and
0: mm-hmm. um, Reading famous passages and and people were lining up like like uh, they were going to a movie.
1: Yeah, and there's evidently a book about I think it's called Dickens and the Theater or something. And Simon Callow reads the audio book of it, but and he maybe wrote it. I'm not sure, but he um, is at, at least in the introduction that I downloaded from my Kindle sample was saying that he grew up with theater all around him. And so he was naturally kind of inclined to that. He loved to do amateur productions, and, of course, that's where he met the woman who made him throw over his wife and all this kind of stuff. But all those things kind of led to that natural theatrical way of thinking, and you could kind of see it coming out in Mm -hmm. his writing also. And so you kind of wonder, now that you say that about reading out loud, this is Northanger Abbey. I was rereading it because I was thinking – not that many people have read this. They've all read Pride and Prejudice. If they've read anything, <laughs> maybe I should read it. Although now that you say Elizabeth Clett is a good reader of it. I think, oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, and I actually, don't need to don't do, have, do
0: that. So, By the time this is out, you will uh, see in our podcast feed her reading of Carmilla. Oh, Sorry, Carmilla. I Carmilla. I want to say Carmilla because it sounds more.
1: Uh, Carmilla, what a
0: right. great book. It's a great book, and she's a great reader of it. Yes, And, uh, that is another of these gothic, gothic stories. (laughs) Lady in a Castle. Oh, uh, man. Mystery to be solved, and, uh, lots of vampire, vampire, vampire action.
1: Oh, all kinds of action. I remember first hearing that book, and I'd never heard of it, and I went, Oh, predates Count Dracula. And I was listening, and I was going, Oh, what? Did I just hear what I thought I heard? Oh, my. Fans yes. oneself.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> oh my! There's a lot of stuff that's not even underplayed there. Oh, no, right it, out in it, the open,
0: right on the page. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's why you read those books to yourself. I don't know what was <laughs> in the Count of Adolfo, but you weren't reading that in the drawing room. <laughs> uh, well, that's a little later. That's
0: the 1870s. No, yeah, well, it's true, but I'm just saying. Um, at the end of the at uh, the end of Northanger Abbey, there's a question, and I think you are. I'm better able to answer this because you are a parent. Oh. But I I thought I would pose it to you cuz uh the narrator, uh, Jane Austen I guess asks it. She says, "I leave it to be settled by whomever so so whomever soever it may concern whether the tendency of this work, that is the book, be altogether to recommend parental tyranny or reward filial disobedience." <laughs>
1: Obviously, it's to reward filial disobedience. Well, I
0: think I, I think it's supposed to be both, right?
1: Well, yeah, um, because the Morelands, I thought this was really interesting, is this is, again, imposing the real world into the fairy tale Gothic romance of she's mm-hmm. gone into a decline. She actually goes into a decline uh, because she can't have Henry and she misses him so much. And Henry, you know, rejects his father and shows up. But the mm-hmm. Morelands are like, well, that's who? What? You're in love? Oh, well, that's super. But until you get your father's permission, no. And we descend right back into the real world. Mm-hmm. So I guess, like you say, um, it's both.
0: I mean, I, th- I I don't think that Jane Austen ever said one thing that had one one meaning only. No. You know, it's it's all uh, subtle, subtle uh, smirking. um no knowledgeable, uh, uh, knowledgeable wisdom. Mm -hmm. It's it's all, it's all, um, it's, she's very, very, very smart. And I think that that's why reading it, even though it is sort of straight up the same plot every time, Mm -hmm. um, because everybody's endowed with different problems. Uh, even if it's essentially the same problem, you got to get married. Um, it, it feels like it's, uh, it's fresh every time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so even when they've got, you know, the Morlands are about as nice as parents can be, but there are certain things you're not going to do. And one is yeah. you're going to do what your father wants and you have to get his permission.
0: There's a line right near the beginning. Yeah, maybe we covered this already where yeah. the mom is, is, uh, <laughs> she's, she, she, she didn't have any, uh, yeah, her mother was a woman of uh no. Oh, here it is. He had a constable and in- considerable independence besides two good livings and he was not in the least addicted to locking up his daughters and then Oh, right. Uh, and goes, "Her mother was a woman of useful plain sense, with a good temper, and what is more remarkable,
1: with a good constitution." <laughs> She's yeah. not dying. Yeah.
0: She has a family
1: of 10 children and and still perfectly healthy and able to teach them and everything else. The only problem she has is that she can't pay as much attention to the older girls as she'd like because she's so busy teaching and taking care of the younger kids.
0: Mm. One of the things they show in that 2007 movie is when she comes back from uh, from Northanger Abbey Mm -hmm. uh, and she's in that decline uh the the rest of the kids who really we don't think about, I mean, there's a brother I think in this yeah' sister. That's
1: Sally the sister right,, uh,
0: but there's all these younger kids right um, they all want to know what went on at Northanger Abbey and what it's like and was there ghost there and <laughs> and, uh, and it it visualized the scene a lot for me um of her coming back and being in this sort of oh, that dream's gone sort of state,
1: oh yeah, surrounded by all the little kids and the Practicalities yeah, of life.
0: Out of yeah, I mean the fact that they all have to be tucked in, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and fed and, and everything. When
0: you're the when this you're the sixteen year old or fifteen year old daughter,
1: that's sort of your job. Yeah. When when you're in town. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you're not off trying to get married or. That's of course, right. that was just a trip, just to take a trip. But oh, sure, you want to take her? Great. I, uh, she's pretty got a pretty good head on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and you also realize how, um, you know, they have a couple of good livings or whatever, um, but it's as close to a middle class as you're going to get in that society, I guess, upper middle class. Yeah. They don't have money. They're genteel. And uh, a lot of her characters are like that. I remember being really surprised in Pride and Prejudice, which I read last and I didn't remember a lot of it, Um, you know, when... One of them's gonna walk because her sister's gotten sick while well, she's visiting somebody. She has to walk four miles. hmm No, oh, she just pulls her skirts up because it was wet that day and <laughs> goes on and does it. No carriage for her.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of upper, upper middle class people in Bath, right? hmm Bustling going on there.
1: Yeah. So, but I, this book is just so great. It's so it's, you know, I know it is a light book and I guess it might be a good introduction to Jane Austen.
0: It was great for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's funny and it's obviously funny. It's meant to be funny.
0: It is. It's got a, a very arch sense of humor and uh, the plot is, it's it's like all the other ones, but it's got this added layer of meta meta going on mm-hmm. it feels like it's sort of a, a young novel in that sense
1: yeah well yeah and that's a little bit in the rushed ending and a little bit in some of the I know
0: I, I like the rushed ending because it is just like one of those those books that yeah. all,
1: wrap it all up yeah. right a shot rang out and everybody fell dead we're that's done right. that's it <laughs> I've told my story. next book
0: <laughs> this has been the SFF audio podcast please join us at www.sffaudio.com.